0: Welcome to The Rodcast with Rod Turner, the show all about real estate. We discuss everything that affects asset-backed businesses, investments, and go deep into the details with some of the best in the business.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Rodcast. Today, We are fortunate to have James Nevin, the managing partner of Blue Engineering, with us. James specialises in residential structural engineering and in the analysis of existing structures and unique structural forms. He's also been a tutor at the Bartlett School of Architecture, amongst other things such as being an ambassador for apprenticeships as well. So welcome, James. Thanks for joining me today.
0: Hi, Rod. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here.
1: So James, I guess we're going to get quite technical into aspects of design and and structural engineering really today. Do you want to give us a bit of background as to how you got into starting your own business and obviously into Mm -hmm. residential because we know a lot of structural engineers kind of move from residential into kind of either large projects or commercial and things like that. So what was the kind of thought process behind that in the background?
0: Well, my granny came over from an island many, many years ago, and the family kind of grew up as a family of builders. So my dad had his own business a building contracting firm, working on churches, and a lot of residential work. And so from the age of about 12, I've been on building sites in the summers, um, moving the wheelbarrow, knocking up muck, and yeah. clearing out sites and all sorts. And as the years went by, I kind of helped my dad run the business more and more, and and then it came to university time and it was the natural extension to construction was to go and be an engineer, civil engineer, studied civil engineering with specialism in structures and came out of uni, had a lot of experience in residential because of my background, yeah. having worked yeah, many, many summers, uh, many calluses on the hands. But then armed with the degree, went and worked in a, a boutique structural engineering firm, specializing in unusual design so it was a lot of art artwork uh, and things like that and then after a few years there I decided to start up on my own and it's uh, the company Blue Engineering has always done residential work we sometimes dive into other parts like commercial work but for me residential is is an area that I really enjoy working in forensic nature of trying to understand how an existing building works all of the kind of design criteria even on a small job you still need to assess the, the strength of the ground or the anticipated strength of the ground or what's important to the client. Is this cost-driven or are we wanting to look at the, the design? You know, To what extent does the architect want something to look amazing or be hidden or whatever? So I find every project, even straightforward loft conversions, if you kind of pull on the thread long enough, you do get a bespoke design. There's always something, some curveball or something in there to improve upon or change.
1: And it must be quite difficult because in residential, especially some of these smaller things, like you say, kind of a loft conversion, a rear extension, a lot of people doing these things will think, oh, okay, we get the architectural drawings and yeah, we'll just, we've got to get a structure engineer because we yeah. need to kind of cover our backs on the structural calculations and things like that. So when it comes to choosing a structure engineer for people like that, for these small scale developers or even kind of homeowners, I guess, what does, it could be anything from, like you say, an extension through to a kind of a small new build block of flats. What are yeah. some of the stakes that you see those kind of SME developers making when choosing a structural
0: engineer? So I think choosing a structural engineer is actually really hard for a homeowner and developer, big or small. I think you've got to you've got to bear in mind that. Probably only one engineer is ever going to look at your project. So it's a bit like going to the doctor. You get one opinion. You'll never hear the second opinion unless you really go ask, looking for it, which is something I'm sure we'll come on to later. But the, ultimately, I think a lot of homeowners go, go along the lines of cost. You know, how much is this structural engineer charging uh, for coming up with a design? And I think that sometimes the assumption is made that every engineer would come up with the same design. Frankly, that's not true the more time you allow an engineer to spend on a project the better the design you will get whether that be in raw tonnage or weight of structure or the buildability or how quick something can be built can suddenly you start coming quite important factors or just risk of kind of structural settlement and movement down the line as well so so i think it's really difficult for people to choose you get given a fee proposal they come in all sorts of styles and to kind of compare apples for apples can be really difficult for example at Blue we automatically include steelwork connections in all of our projects because we just think that's something that we know everyone's going to need many other engineers don't include it and I think that's a bit crazy Mm. Um, but they do it because it's cheaper to do that and so then they can operate more of a kind of perhaps a, a Ryanair business model
1: oh right so then they added on at at the end
0: okay yeah yeah and because yeah i think the other thing as well is uh, a homeowner can begrudge paying an engineer to tell them they need massive foundations or something you know if we're in clay ground we've got trees we know we've got big foundations going in so you're now paying someone sometimes quite a bit of money to tell you that you need to put a hell of a lot of money in something you'll never see it's not the kitchen
1: you know It's certainly <laughs> difficult from that point of view, isn't it? I guess it does, like you say, it comes down to cost and cost benefit. Yeah. That, doesn't yeah.
0: It? If, if, and it's a
1: balance against risk. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I think kind of risk comes almost at the top end. you kind of got to cover the risk and make sure that, I don't know, your, your structure engineer's got the right sort of insurance and that he's going to design, yeah. his, it's not going to fall down. Yeah. And then secondary is, is probably about cost. And that's not just the cost of the fee. But like you say, it's the cost of how much is this going to be to actually build? How much are the materials going to be? How easy is it going to be to build and things like that? How much time is building one way, although it might be cheaper, but is that going to add more time on which might cause the developer extra cost in, I don't know, finance and other losses down the line? So it's difficult. So what can, I guess, what can we as developers do to look at those things? Because most of us are not structural engineers and don't understand kind of the ins and outs of that. Are there any specific questions then that we can be asking when we are getting quotes from structural engineers in terms of that?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's good to always ask whether or not there's something else that should be added or is there anything else. So sometimes I'm adding on fee proposals, contingency fees for, for example, temporary works. So normally the contractor would employ his regular engineer to do the temporary works design. But if there's there's no one involved or in play for that, or that might not be allowed for somewhere, then we can quote for that and, and kind of allow a provisional sum for temporary works. And the same for things like party awards. Yesterday I was on the phone with someone. It's a plot that's being developed and there's a culvert running along and it needs the approvals of the environmental agency. And that is a big ball of unknown. We don't know how much fees they're going to charge. We don't know how complex the engineering is going to be. But having those kind of proper conversation with the developer about that, about the what-ifs and putting money to that what-if helps de-risk it or uh, helps them plan appropriately.
1: Yeah. And I guess part of it is managing expectations as well, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And and why are there more issues in residential sort of development, I guess, in terms of getting the structural engineer maybe the wrong option there? Is it just because the majority of residents are, like you say, they don't know a lot of these things and they're just thinking this is another box we've got to tick to get the structural engineer kind of calcs in for building control?
0: Yeah, I think there are family, different types of engineers that you get. So you get the engineer who may have been laid off and then needs a job, can't find a job, so then starts doing engineering. And they are not going to enter into the world of medium-rise buildings or specialist engineering, they're going to hit the the first step, which is residential engineering. So most structural engineers, even if they're used to designing big buildings, will tell you they can design an extension on a house, for example, or a lofty I can design that. And yes, they can, right? These things don't fall over. You very rarely read about structural problems in building work in the UK. And the reason is, is because we do have highly codified rules and we all follow them. And But the interpretation of those is quite broad. And so an engineer who's starting his own company hasn't actually done much residential engineering, but has to kind of start there. You find that they will potentially over-design or yeah. be quite risk-averse because they're new to the game. They've just got their PI insurance. They do not want a claim in their first year. So, so everything's maybe a bit heavier. And then the other side of that is engineers thinking of exiting the market. So you've got kind of lifelong old boy engineers designing to the old codes. so are not necessarily even using the modern codes and they are looking to soon buy their PI insurance for the next 12 years for their retirement. Uh, they do not want to claim in their final year. PI insurance has gone up something like fourfold in the last six or seven years since Grenfell and, and yeah. the issues in Beirut. So insurance has been just really pushed up And so, and then the other type of engineer is the kind of more jobbing engineer. The business model is that you're only buying a few hours of their time. You know, their fee will be a half of hours. They're going to spend four hours designing your project. And once it's done, it's done. They push it out. So therefore, there's no time to optimize to go over the design, refine it and improve it. Plus, typically, they don't have the software that a company like Blue Engineering has. So we have kind of quite advanced 3D analysis software, whereas for anyone who's kind of in the know, TEDS is the kind of standard calculation package that you see. If you ever get calculations from your engineer, it might be 150 pages long, even for a small project. And it's because it's just the standardized output from this very simple program. Whereas at Blue, that program is banned. We don't use it. Yeah. Um, make sure the engineers or my engineers are working hard, you know,
1: <laughs> sure. so, so I guess from I I know sitting in the client seat, then what I would be looking at is what am I expecting the whole kind of build cost to be and then factoring in, well, actually, if the structure engineer fee for the person that I was going to get that might just be spending three hours to tick the boxes to give me what I need rather than what I want, which is kind of a, a more of a cost driven Proposal design proposal. I guess I want to be asking those questions. Look, can is there anything here that can be taken out, or can we make savings here? And is it likely that actually that can have a material effect on the total cost of the build? Because if it's a small build, like a a very small rear extension, it might be the case that actually the difference in steel that you're buying, for example, might only be. I don't know, a grand extra. And actually, if you've got to pay double the fees of the engineer, it might not be worth it to, to over-engineer.
0: Yeah. And so it does depend on what part of the UK you're in. But if we just take a rough number of £5 a kilo for the cost of steelwork, so a frame is going to cost you about five grand, something like that. So if I can pull that weight down by 20%, that's a £1,000 saved, straight yeah. off the bat, without even looking at foundations or anything else. And at the scale that you're talking about, like an extension, that is more than the differential of an expensive engineer versus a cheap engineer. Sure. So I think for me, that's the, the kind of the main argument I put forward when clients ask me, why are you double the price of this other guy? And the answer is, well, we will produce better design. Hopefully the architect you're working with will vouch for us on that and we've got some stories examples to show you and then yeah better off choosing usually choosing the more expensive engineer so i'm
1: going to ask you about some examples then but just before we do that you mentioned kind of over engineering what are some typical examples of engineering design that you find that are over designed
0: yeah so the classic is the frames so the frames is if i'm ever reviewing a design of another engineer that's where I'm starting. I start straight to the frames. I might look at their TEDs calculation output as well. And usually there, you'll see that they're over-designed. And it's because, uh, well, there's a few reasons, but one of the reasons is because about 20 years ago, the way in which you went about designing a frame is very different to what you can do now with the modern software. It's about stiffness and stability in the building rather than necessarily picking up the house at the back of the house or something. And so at Blue now, we've worked on Thousands of projects, residential, and all sorts of sizes. And, and we have created our in house own set of rules for determining the stiffness of frames. And that now means that we can be, we typically would be 30% lighter in the frames than Ooh. other engineering firms. When it comes to review, there are other companies that will also get you down to those sorts of numbers. But again, they won't be the, the cheaper engineers, really. So the frames is a big part. The second part is foundations. So as soon as we're in clay grounds and there's a tree somewhere, it usually triggers either the whole scheme flips the piling or very deep trench foundations, which is for me usually a bit of an overreaction. And there are ways of kind of mitigating having such deep foundations or such so much of it. So for example, a nice trick is to switch from trench fill foundation or piles to deep pads. So you have like big pads meter by meter in the corners and then span with ground beams or you have a, a ground bearing slab or some form of slab to span between them. And you can really cut down on, on the total excavation and concrete costs on that. They're kind of two major items that can and really bring down cost. Yeah.
1: Having dealt with kind of having to do piling and things like that, it's, it's not a cheap exercise. No, it? it's a whole,
0: ro- a whole world of knock-on effects, uh, particularly with party wall. Processes, Uh, personally, I avoid piling like the plague unless there's a really good answer for it. Sometimes there is, if it's a lightweight structure, um, um, I'm I'm a bit of a fan of screw piles at the moment, which is quite new technology, but they do work very well. They can be installed in a day. They don't need a big rig. Um, That can be really nice. Um, On all our basement project work, we do a lot of um, residential basements in and around London and uh, again avoid piling like the plague it's uh it, it can it really reduces the size of the basement normally um and also um causes real issue with neighbors and if you hit something with the pile then then suddenly that pile is useless and you have to deal with that and that's very diff- that can be very difficult too
1: you know i've never even considered like the knock-on effect of kind of of this with things like party wall and then time lags and things like that that, that can then come from that so yeah i think that's really well weird. you're
0: also starting to evolve the 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 caliber might not be the right word but the the quality of the contractor so you know there are a lot of contractors out there that will do you kind of straight, normal house building with yeah. proper steel work but normal trench foundation once you start asking them, okay, now we're going to go to a pile, and they've got to subcontract that out. That's not something that is in their skill set necessarily, and so you end up pre-excluding maybe contractors who would be more cost-effective because you need a bigger boy contractor to help deal with the piling. Yeah, yeah,
1: another very, very good point, especially for smaller yeah. schemes where actually, yeah a lot of the reason people do them is because they've got good relationships with existing kind of contractors or SME contractors who can do that. It's their specialty maybe in their area. And that's why they can engineer a scheme to be viable, really, because they can use them. So, yeah, great point. So can you give us some examples then of of the numbers and and any case studies where things like this have occurred?
0: Yeah, so kind of last year I kind of was – had a couple of projects hit my desk. It was like, huh, these are really over-designed. The architect kind of passed them over to me or the contractor passed them over to me and said, "I could drive all these? And on review, it's like, there's actually, there's a lot of saving that can be had here. So off the back of that, I've now started a sister company, Blue Engineering, which is restructured. And with restructured, we review designs for free. And if we find improvements, if we find that we can make improvements, then great. We'll redesign them. We'll do all the calculations, everything. And we kind of charge on a cost fee per kilo safe. And that works really well. And wow. um, So since doing that now, this year, we've, I've started really pushing on this. And we're having really great success. Uh, it stops us being the engineers that dump a load of money in the ground. And now we become the engineers that save money in the ground. It really kind of turns it on its head. And um, yeah, thinking about your listener base here, I, I came up with three three case studies for various sizes on projects that we have done this on. And the first one is Clayland's and Clayland's was a small extension on someone's house. Let's say a hundred thousand pound build. Client came to us because they needed Thames Water buildover notices sorted out for them. So I said, Yep, yeah, we gave our fee for that. And then I looked at the steelwork and I said, Oh, we can probably improve on this. Do you want to do a cost per kilo save? He's like, Yeah, go for it. And in forty-eight hours we'd redesigned the steelwork. We'd saved him seven hundred kilos. There's about £3,000 worth of saving just done. Like that. He was
1: And you uh, take a split of that saving, I guess, as your fee. Yeah.
0: So the idea is, is we, the way I've structured the fees is we take a third. So mm-hmm. it works quite well. It stops us kind of going down a rabbit hole of ch- making minor changes that oh. don't really serve anyone much. And the client ends up with an improved scheme that they don't have access to otherwise. So it's starting to enable a second look at the engineering and i think it's easy for us no no it's easier for us to come in and review someone else's design and go well we can make savings here because we've got a fresh pair of eyes we're not we don't know the full history of design tweaks and design changes maybe the architect put the engineer through the ringer and had five different designs and the engineer just like oh, sod it you can do what you want with if you have these these sizes. Yeah. So, right. so, so Claylands is on the micro scale. Sure. Then another project that we're just finalising all the design on now and is being built is project. It's a new build house in the green belt, close to it. Uh, it's a detached property. It's for a developer. It's going to be their own home. And we again, it was looking a bit heavy, so we got involved. We managed to shave off seventy five mil off the slab thickness on the ground and the ground floor. We reduced all the rebar in the basement. And this is a big basement with swimming pool and all sorts going on. And we managed to rationalize the design for them. In the end, we saved six tons of rebar, 60 tons of concrete, and a ton and a half of steelwork. So that one wasn't so quick a turnaround time. That one was more, then they were able to tweak the design and improve on the design and and make it a bit, actually, in that case, it was easier for the contractors to build as well. So... So it didn't save a lot of time, but still, we think we've estimated that the the developer will save 53k on that.
1: Hello, everyone. Sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to talk to you quickly about a sponsor of ours called Signature Property Finance. They are a bridging loan provider based in Solihull, Birmingham. The company also has regional offices in Cardiff and Edinburgh, which enable them to serve clients across the whole of England, Wales and Scotland. They were established in 2012 and Signature have two primary funding lines, private equity and a traditional debt facility via a high street bank. So what is it they fund and how can they help you? Well, Signature will lend against both residential and commercial property on a standard bridge, with a maximum loan-to-value of 70% and 60% respectively for a term of between 6 and 18 months. They offer both a light and heavy refurbishment product, again for a term of up to 18 months. Light refurbishment amounts to anything non-structural in nature, whereas anything involving structural changes requires a heavy refurbishment product. They will end up to 75% of the lower of the purchase price or day one open market value. Signature also lend development finance up to a maximum loan of 5 million and for up to 15 units. The loan terms are up to 24 months and cover residential or mixed use developments and they will lend up to the lower of 65% of the GDV or 80% of total costs. So why would you use them? Well, in in the words of CEO Tony Gilbertson, Signature do what they say they're going to do, provided... The information given by the customer and or the broker on day one is accurate. The terms issued on day one will be the same terms that the customer draws down on. So if you've got any property finance requirements, please contact Tony Gilbertson at Tony, T-O-N-Y at signaturepropertyfinance.co.uk. And there'll be a link to that in the show notes. And for a limited time only, They are doing a special offer for all Rodcast listeners. If you look to get finance with them and mention the Rodcast, you will get free legals for a limited time only. Yes, that's right. That's free legals for a limited time only. Just mention the Rodcast. They really are a fantastic company that do what they say they're going to do and act quickly. Back to the show. They're so probably worth a little bit of a lag in the time anyway for some redesign. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how much they were delayed anyway. I think they had planning conditions to sort out uh, yeah. anyway. But, but yeah, and then the third one is an interesting one because we've got a few stories like this, which is it's all about the air, right? And we have a good few developers who have putting flats onto buildings yeah. in well, London. very and London. much on
1: trend at the moment with recent schemes car- yeah. and things like that. So yeah,
0: yeah. And that requires almost like a special set of engineering skills. You have to really know about existing buildings, existing building stock, and how to analyze them and assess them. And then you need to be able to design the superstructure effectively. And it's essentially a new build on top. So there's lots of engineers that would be good at one or the other of those things. But to have both is quite tricky. We had a developer come to us with a project. And the engineers had specified a whole steel deck, a grillage over the top of the existing roof. To which then to build off these seven flats. We managed to shave off, essentially, we managed to justify omitting that grillage and only placing steelwork where needed, uh, where the roof wasn't good enough. And we shaved off 85% of the steelwork. We saved the client, we think, around 80K, 100K. And also, we shaved off two months of program. And this was on a building in Croydon. On a busy high road where the shops below had to stay operating. Mm. So, to omit all of this steelwork was just a massive win for everybody. And all because we chose to kind of look into more detail into the existing building and what can we extract from it? What can we squeeze out of it? Fantastic.
1: Um, yeah. I just love the idea of kind of, it's a no brainer to get you to look over anything existing.
0: yeah so i'm i'm an engineer right and i love spreadsheets so now since since doing this i've started registering all of the projects that i check and at the moment we're running slightly over 80 percent over 80 percent of the projects that i check we find savings
1: fantastic that's the extent so i guess the other reason is maybe come to you first (laughs)
0: <laughs> well yeah i so well that that's it's really interesting because now that started to become part of the kind of business approach with blue engineering like so we offer our fees and clients are like well the other engineers are a lot cheaper and the answer is that's fine let us review it down the line and then the developer can choose which way they want to go the instant response is okay i'll choose the cheaper guy and then i'll get you guys to review it but it's not cheaper in the long run if we find savings. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not worth the gamble, even though it might feel like a bit of a fun gamble.
1: No, I've, I think that's really interesting. Like I said, I've never really known too much about the ins and outs of engineering and kind of always thought from a development point of view, yeah, it's a bit of a box tick for build control, for safety, etc. But I've never really kind of sat down to really kind of consider the the value proposition i guess from a whole holistic build and construction and time frame thing so i think that will definitely have our, our listeners yeah, think I, about the next project
0: i think the biggest assumption is is that every engineer will come up with the same design and it's just not the case you know there's so many different ways to crack the egg
1: fantastic so where can our listeners find you if they're interested in some of these services
0: so, Blue Engineering is, is the long term company going 15 years. You'll easily find us on Google. We're London based, but we cover the whole of South of England, really. Restructured is the other company, re-structured.com. And that is this is a service now that we can provide UK-wide. It's a, for me, it's a bit like Sudoku puzzles. You know, I get a new project come in and it's like, right, let's have it, let's see what we can do. So, I, I really uh, enjoy re- receiving new projects to review. So yeah, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn as well, uh, James Nevin In search, and it you'll find it. Brilliant. And, we'll, uh, we'll
1: put some links to that in the show notes. So awesome! Thank you. Thanks, James, so much for coming on. It's been really,
0: really great to chat to you. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you too. Cheers.